Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue, a couple of my colleagues incoming for this episode. Lance Glenn, of course, handling things behind the scenes as our producer. In just a moment, Tyler Calvaruzzo is going to hop on board. A lot to break down in the recruiting world right now. Penn State gains a commitment, loses a commitment from this 2023 class. A lot of targets were on campus last weekend. We got eyeballs on them uh, out in their golf carts, uh, traveling campus, checking out some of that seven-on-seven tournament that we attended last Friday. Hopefully you caught all of our coverage uh, from a couple more camps, uh, from some of that official visit stuff uh, on this site. Tyler Calvaruzzo has done a great job with that. You'll hear from Daniel Gallon in just a moment because uh, we got some roster additions to talk about. Penn State had a major wave of freshmen come to campus and a junior college prospect as well discuss some of those roster changes in just a little bit, but let's start with recruiting because that's where the conversation is here in mid-June. And Tyler Calvaruzzo has done a great, great job since he came on board a couple weeks ago. And uh, here we are. Uh, we're in the thick of it, looking straight ahead at the biggest recruiting weekend on the summer calendar for Penn State with the official visits. But let's look backwards to begin and let's go in kind of a linear order here because on Monday afternoon, this one was incoming. It was impending, you could say, uh, but it happened fast. Joshua Miller now off the commitment list for Penn State. He flipped over to the reigning national champions. The Georgia Bulldogs add him to their class just a couple weeks after he was down there. We talked a little bit about his visit with some teammates, with some coaches down to Athens and said, OK, we'll keep tabs here. Very quickly comes to fruition. No longer due on campus as an official visitor this weekend. No longer due on campus in 2023 as an offensive lineman. Yeah, so this all started when Miller took that trip down to Georgia at the beginning of June with his Life Christian Academy teammates and coaches. At first, it, came, it seemed kind of inauspicious, you know, team camp kind of thing with the coaching staff. But as it turns out, Miller worked out for the staff. He blew them away, and he kind of shook up that offensive line board at Georgia. And he has a longstanding relationship with Georgia offensive line coach Stacey Searles, I believe. Cyril signed a couple of his Life Christian Academy teammates when he was still at North Carolina. So that relationship was in place. Miller got the offer in May. Things moved pretty quickly. And that workout just completely altered the course of his recruitment because he shot right up Georgia's board. They were prepared to accept him. And two weeks later, he was on board with Georgia and out of Penn State's 2023 recruiting class. Tough loss for Penn State, but there are still some targets on the board, Evan Link being one of them who took an official this past weekend. I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more on that later. But all hope is not lost, but this is definitely a blow for Penn State's 2023 recruiting class. Yeah, so the pendulum swings in that direction uh, after a Sunday pickup. And Yazid Haynes, who we got a chance to get eyeballs on at that whiteout camp back on uh, June 4th, went out there, ran that 4-3-9, uh, showed off the speed, showed off the skills. And as it turns out, not just a receiver target for the Nittany Lions and committing on Sunday. He's a guy that we know he's now on board with the Nittany Lions class, but we don't know quite where we'll see him on the practice field when he gets to campus next year. Yeah, Penn State's leaving the door open for him to play either receiver or corner, and that's not really going to be up to Penn State either. They're letting Haynes pick it, which kind of speaks to the confidence that Penn State's coaching staff has in Haynes' ability to make an impact on either side of the ball. We saw it at the whiteout camp as a receiver. Haynes, he's a dynamic athlete. 
He's fast. He's got length. He does a pretty decent job downfield as a receiver who's not really the biggest guy, but he shields defenders pretty well. He wins some his fair share of 50-50 balls. So you see the talent at receiver. Defensive back, obviously we didn't get the chance to see that with him working exclusively as a pass catcher, but the same skills that make him so good as a receiver, they translate to the defensive side of the ball, specifically the ball skills and his anticipation, his ability to anticipate routes and anticipate when receivers are going to come out of their breaks. As a cornerback, those are all things that translate over to him. So it depends what he decides. We'll see. Obviously, that decision will be made in the coming months. But either way, Penn State is really excited about this get. They feel they just added a really dynamic athlete who, no matter what he decides to do, will be an impact guy for them at some point down the road. Yeah, a late addition to 24-7 sports rankings, a guy that popped up on this 2023 recruiting cycle, committed uh, to Rutgers, but then that lasted about two months. And Minnesota was due next for that official visit. And, and you know, when we were talking on Sunday afternoon, you know, as the dust was settling a little bit and the reach out was occurring and official visitors were, were leaving campus, didn't necessarily feel like anything was imminent. You relayed as such to the message board at lines247.com to our VIP subscribers. But by the time we were... Wrapping up that camp on Sunday afternoon, uh, you see James Franklin fire off the tweet. Uh, I look around. He's over on the practice field laughing with Drew Aller. Don't know if that's related, but things changed quickly. What do you think ultimately swayed Haynes to make this decision now rather than check out Minneapolis and, and then weigh things over? I think it's just a matter of more and more recruits taking these visits and realizing this is a place that they really want to be. They got to lock in their spot. You know, sometimes playing the waiting game, letting the process play out, it could cost you a spot in a place you really want to be. I'm not saying that would have happened with Haynes necessarily, but it's happened before and it's going to happen again on the recruiting trail. So I think Haynes enjoyed his visit to the point where he was like, hey, look, Penn State's all been my leader since the moment it offered anyway. Why let this go on any longer than it has to? Because like I said on the board and like you just touched on, it really nothing really seemed imminent coming out of the weekend. And that was mostly because of Haynes and the notion that he was going to take the Minnesota visit, and he was actually going to travel down to a couple of SEC campuses and camp down there for work out for those steps. That's obviously right. not happening now. Haynes is on board with Penn State. He's all in. And, yeah, I, I just think this was a matter of a recruit loving his official visit experience so much he just wrapped up and there was no other need to see anything else for him. I think his willingness to apply that punctuation mark right now rather than try to push that momentum forward, go down south, maybe turn some heads, try to get that snowball effect building, end up with you know a dozen offers all of a sudden by the time his senior season comes around and then he's got a lot to figure out. Clearly, it speaks about his comfort level, staying fairly close to home, and also with the coaching staff, whether it's Taylor Stubblefield and all the way up the ladder to James Franklin. Uh, we, we saw some of the family interaction, uh, you know, just being out there uh, around campus to some of these camps this week. And uh, James Franklin always sits it out of the park when it comes to, to you know, getting together with families. And um, I think that, I think it's a big thing because Haynes had momentum on his side, and I don't really think there was any evidence to suggest that would have stopped if he had gone on a bit of a camp circuit elsewhere, as you mentioned, maybe down south. I do want to hit on one thing with Haynes because we've seen this play out in other cycles. Um, last year with Christian Driver, it was a conversation, is he going to be a wide receiver? Is he going to be a defensive back? Ultimately, it uh, landed on him being comfortable and wanting to play defensive back and being okay with the ball out of his hands. A few years back, Marquise Wilson, you know, that's still the debate that's ongoing. I think he's still listed as an athlete on the roster. He's played in games at def at cornerback and at wide receiver. Um, I think the, the hope is for, for Haynes and Penn State that by the time he's ready to enroll, 
you've got a real ironclad plan for at least that first year um, because I think it's important to let the kid sink his teeth into one position full time. And then if you find the better fit or the roster dictates that, you know, you've got some fluidity here with Haynes. And, you know, it kind of feels like one and a half commitments in some ways when you have that kind of positional plus. Yeah, see, obviously, I'm kind of biased in the sense that I've only seen Haynes work as a receiver and the tape is mm-hmm. primarily as him playing receiver. So I feel like that would be the best fit for him at the next level. But ultimately, if Penn State's coaching staff feels that he has the athleticism to play corner or safety or wherever he fits in the secondary, and he comes along nicely in that regard on defense at North Penn as a senior, maybe defensive back is the best spot for him at the end of the day. Right now, I would say wide receiver, but they're not closing the door for a reason, like I said. Uh, we teased about next weekend. We'll get to that in a second. A, a massive list coming together for the official visitors. A, a bit more of a modest list, but still several prospects on campus, some of them from long distance. We just talked about Yazid Haynes. His weekend ends as a new member of the Penn State recruiting class. Uh, what else stood out to you as you kind of gathered information and intel coming out of these visits on Sunday, going into Monday, and now here we are on Tuesday? I'd say Evan Link and Trayon Webb were probably the most interesting visitors coming out of the weekend. Webb had a pretty good visit. Penn State, I think, covered a lot of positive ground with him, and I think they moved up his list a little bit. Now, does that necessarily necessarily supplant Florida atop his list? I don't think I'm willing to go that far and say that. Florida being the in-state school, there's a lot of pull there from Billy Napier's staff. They've been pushing pretty hard. That's where I still like Webb at the end of the day. But I think Penn State's a player there. The family seemed to have a good time on the trip, which is a very important thing that goes along with any official visit. And then there's Evan Link, who I touched on previously. All indications are he had a productive trip, but he's going to head to Michigan this weekend. Stanford and Boston College are still in play. Link's a guy who's kind of difficult to get a read on from time to time. I think it's a Penn State-Michigan battle right now. I don't want to discount Stanford, just you know the academic aspect of it all and the meaning of that degree. goes without saying. I don't really have to get into that, the impact of that. If a recruit, Whenever a recruit picks Stanford, I never argue with it. You can't put a price on what they accomplish out there academically. But right now with Link, I think it's Michigan-Penn State. I like where Penn State's at. We're going to have to see what happens when he heads up to Ann Arbor this weekend. Some prospects are much easier to get a hold of than others, are much more willing to open up about where their process is week by week, visit by visit. Evan Link doesn't fall into that category. So appreciate your diligence on trying to kind of sort through where his his uh, kind of head is right now without actually getting that firsthand. Not always the easiest thing to do. Um, I think one other thing to note here um, you know, among those official visitors with the Trayon Web visit is people are going to say, okay, that's great. We've seen some Florida running backs come up here in the past. You got a couple on the roster right now with Kazai Holmes and Kevon Lee. Love to see Jay Slater do his diligence, but isn't there a Pennsylvania prospect at the position that Penn State likes a lot? London Montgomery, Trayon Webb. Can you kind of talk us through the equation right now? So right now it seems like Montgomery will be available as a take for Penn State, whether or not Webb is on the board or not, whether or not he's committed elsewhere or not. So right now Montgomery is a guy who profiles as a take for Penn State, and he's a guy Penn State's coaching staff likes. Right now it seems like it's Penn State, Boston College, and Virginia Tech. Those are the three firmly in the mix with him. I like where Penn State is at right now. I could see them closing this this weekend if they stick with their plan at running back based on from what I have gathered. Montgomery, he's very high on Penn State as an in-state kid. He loves his school. He's always he's always spoke glowingly of it. He has a good relationship with the staff. And I think he could do a lot of good things in Penn State's backfield should he choose to become a nitty line. He's a high three-star kid. There's a lot of potential there. I think he would add a bit different of an element to Penn State's running back room in the sense that he could kind of stretch the field as a pass catcher as well, and he has some good speed getting to the edge. So Montgomery's a guy definitely keep a very close eye on throughout this weekend. I think 
it's definitely a possibility something can come to fruition with him sooner rather than later. As we all know, Penn State does not have to work very hard to sell the whole in-state running back, you should stay home aspect that Nick Singleton uh, was all about it. And uh, yeah, what's Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, and Journey Brown before his unfortunate retirement were able to accomplish here? It's, it's a lot in, in recent memory to be able to point to. Um, look, you and I are going to dive in the deep end in a big way later on with the second episode of the podcast this week because it's amazing how much hour by hour leading up to these official vis visit weekends you learn who is coming, who is not coming, who's really maybe on the clock as a commit watch guy. But let's take a, a glance right now. Aside from the fact that it feels like 90% of this recruiting class is going to be on campus and you always want your commits on campus and you want those big personalities on campus and you want that family feel and they're going to add to it and their parents are going to add to it. Uncommitted guys is what everyone wants to hear about and read about. Who's at the top of your list right now as you're working through things? So right now, two guys Penn State has been on for a long time now, Tamir Robinson from Pittsburgh and Tony Rojas from Virginia. Rojas is actually on an unofficial to Georgia as we speak. So that's gonna people be, don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> that's going to be interesting to monitor, especially considering that he has an official with the Bulldogs set up for June 24th. He's still going to be at Penn State this weekend, as far as I know. Nothing to worry about in terms of the visit getting canceled. But obviously, we just saw what happens when Penn State people Penn State is involved with go down to Georgia. Sometimes it doesn't really end well. But uh, I, think any, I think it's anyone going to Georgia right yeah, now. They're in a pretty good it, spot it, on the recruiting Georgia, trail. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it speaks for itself. But uh, and with Robinson, he's fresh off the official visit to Virginia Tech. Obviously, there's a lot of ties there with Brent Pryor being the Hokies' new head coach. He'll be at Penn State this weekend. That recruitment, I still like where Penn State is in terms of winning the battle at the end of the day. But it is a fight right now between the Nittany Lions, Virginia Tech, and Miami, where Robinson officially visited at the beginning of the month. Do not discount Miami in this recruitment. They are right there right now. They've made up a lot of ground with Mario Cristobal and that new staff. And it is a program he is seriously considering. Those are two guys who have been on the radar for a long time. And a new element's going to be added to their recruitment this weekend with the official, the Happy Valley. Yeah. And those are two guys that, you know, about a month ago when we were starting to circle this upcoming weekend as the weekend in June, they've been on that list for a long time, maybe going on two months. But you've got a more recent addition to that list that popped up and you were able to report on Tuesday morning. Yep. Jalen Thompson, top 24-7 defensive lineman from uh, Cast Technical. In Detroit, he'll be taking his official this weekend. He had an unofficial journey earlier this spring, came away from the trip, very impressed with the campus, the facilities, the coaching staff. I still like where Michigan State is at with Robinson. I think they have a pretty good chance to keep him home as things stand right now. But it's intriguing that Robinson went out of his way to get this official schedule because it wasn't one that he originally had on the docket for this month. He was at Pittsburgh to begin the month, and after that there was kind of a little, little bit of a lull, and he got the Penn State visit scheduled. So that kind of speaks to his interest. He's going to be in Michigan State on the 24th. Would it surprise me if the Spartans end that there? No, not really considering the way that they operate on their officials. Mel Tucker and his staff do a good job on their officials. But I like that Penn State is getting the visit. I think the staff is going to have a good opportunity to continue selling Thompson on that vision. He caught a little bit of a glimpse in that when he was on campus for the unofficial now he gets the full experience, and I think that might open his eyes to some things and maybe narrow the gap between Penn State and Michigan State. 
And of course, a strong connection from Cast Tech to Penn yeah. State. They could have two starters on this defense this year. Kalen King looks like he's locked in a job at cornerback uh, after bringing his red shirt last year. And then Kobe King engaged in that middle linebacker competition, both out of Cast Tech. Uh, one other name I wanted to get to you weren't on campus for this particular seven on seven, which was certainly the smaller one. You'll be here for the next seven on seven tournament on June 24th. Excited to get you back on campus. Uh, but you saw the highlights. I was texting you every step of the way because I was tracking Tysier Denmark. It wasn't a huge Huge group of Penn State players out there. Uh, the Nittany Lions had a, a Joey Schlafer, a, a, a tight end commit out there, but he was playing quarterback, so not great for evaluation purposes. We had a top 24-7 receiver on campus in Tysier, Denmark. Um, and then, tell you what, this kid lived up to the billing. There's a reason why James Franklin kept pulling his golf cart up. Taylor Stubblefield, Mike Yurcich, and uh, you know, you, you look at the offer sheet, you see the Alabama, Ohio State, Southern Cal, Texas, USC. Pretty low-key kid overall when it comes to talking about his recruitment. Really enjoyed the attention that Penn State gave him, but just absolutely impressed. Three minutes of highlights produced from, I don't know, 10 or so seven-on-seven seven games. Uh, that's that's quite a bit of damage done in one afternoon in Happy Valley. Yeah, so if you actually go online 27-24-7 and you check out those highlights, there's a play where Denmark is faced with two defensive backs right in front of him, and he could have just kept dragging on the route. He would have beat them with his speed. Instead, he finds the gap in the coverage, he steps up field, and he gets himself open. I think that was probably the most impressive thing I saw from Denmark out of everything, which is saying a lot because, I mean, that kid is a flat-out baller. He's got it all going on for him, speed, hands, crisp route runner. But the route running and the football IQ is what really stood out to me just based on that clip alone. You can really see. This is a guy who he could beat, honestly, anyone with his speed. He's that kind of a player. He's that dynamic. And he's stepping up and he's reading the coverage. He's finding the soft spots. So, yeah, he, he's a guy Penn State really wants to keep home. And there's been a lot of SEC buzz early in Denmark recruitment, but it's early. We're talking about 2024 kid right now. I'm not going to say that he's going to land in the SEC right now. It, it's June 2022. There's a lot of things that need to play out in his recruitment. Penn State's going to keep pushing, and I'm interested to see where things go with him because, like I said, a lot of time for Penn State's coaching staff to sell itself and really get itself high on Denmark's list, despite all the SEC interest he's received pretty early in his recruitment. We've got Daniel Gallon coming in in just a moment. And by the way, Denmark being a 2024 prospect, I just wanted to hit on a few new offers that came out of Camp Sunday. As, as we were heading home from, from camp coverage, you were working the phones and, and getting some feedback from some of these new offers. Uh, take it wherever you want because you had three stories up very quickly, a linebacker, an offensive lineman. Um, you know, th these are some really interesting prospects getting getting offers and a wide receiver out of New Jersey who's in 2025 class. So you know that was a special day. Yeah, Mike Thomas from Donovan Catholic down the shore. He, I think he's one of the guys who has next in Jersey in the class of 2025. He's already 6'1", 175. He's getting stronger. He's getting faster. And he has interest from a lot of powerhouse programs. Penn State's not the only one. Georgia's been in touch. Notre Dame's been in touch. Michigan's been in touch. So good call by Penn State to get in early there. Thomas is going to be a guy who's on the radar moving forward for sure. Taylor Stubblefield likes him a lot. The other one I want to touch on is the 2024 offensive tackle, Kevin Haywood from Archbishop Wood. Penn State already has a lot going in its favor in that recruitment. Haywood's sister is set to attend Penn State starting in the fall, so his interest in the program is already ramped up, and as the school as a whole, it's ramped up just based on his sister being there. He likes the coaching staff. He, he was raving about Frank Leonard and the way that – I love it. I love that. Yeah. I know, man. He, he was telling me that, hey, look, I've been dealing with that throughout my high school career, so I'm already used to it. I'm game for all that. He was loving Leonard. He was a long-tail trot line. And it, it, yeah. That's a guy who's going to be one to keep an eye on in the class of 2024. 
being an in-state kid who already has ties to the program. Also, one last thing with Haywood. He has a very unique tie in the sense that he used to train with Deion Barnes before Barnes joined the staff at Penn State. So that's another thing working in the Lions' favor with Haywood. Deion Barnes' na- name pops up in like 50% yep. of Penn State recruitments, it feels like. I mean, that guy that guy just is everywhere. It doesn't seem to be specific to the defensive line room at all. I hadn't heard that until you just mentioned it, but we'll say got some good vibes just watching Haywood interact with the staff. And yeah, he passed that eye test when we first got to the practice field. And as you saw, Phil Troutwine starting to zero in on certain players. He was one of them. Not surprised to see him report that offer. Tyler, great work. We'll let you get back to the message boards. I'm sure there are some questions. I know you've got a midweek VIP chat. It's going to be your first one at Lions 24-7 coming on Wednesday. I hope I didn't blow the surprise or anything like that, but I'd encourage our listeners, uh, if you got questions for Tyler, that's where you want to fire them off. If you're not a member yet, hop in uh, for our VIP coverage. A lot coming out of the last official visit weekend, a lot into the next official visit weekend. Uh, Tyler's been working pretty tirelessly. So we appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you on the podcast later this week and look ahead to a big weekend. Sounds good. Thanks, Todd. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's shift focus because some of the more recent recruits that we were just talking about are now Penn State freshmen. And here to break down that and some other items is Daniel Gallen, our other Lions 24-7 colleague that you've seen here on the podcast pretty frequently. Daniel, what's going on? Hey, Tyler. I'm doing well. Just a, a wonderful Tuesday in Happy Valley. Oh, yeah, a little rainy today. That looks like it's clearing up. But, hey, we kind of stood through some rain. Eventually, the sun came out on Sunday. We got to look at camp. One name I didn't get to with Tyler there was a quarterback, and I was kind of saving this because you and I were eyeing him up uh, during the course of the afternoon, and that's Ryan Downs out of IMG Academy in Florida. And I know everyone's ears kind of perk up when they hear, oh, an IMG Academy quarterback. He has been there now for four seasons. This is year five for him at IMG. He has not started a game for their national team yet. They're trying to develop a feeder program down there. I think their their reputation is really based on being a lot of one-and-done or two-and-done kind of upperclassmen acquisitions, as you know, Daniel. They bring him in before his seventh-grade season, and he's basically part of this feeder program. He, he redshirts, essentially, in 2020 during the COVID year when J.J. McCarthy is their starting quarterback, reclassifies as an eighth-grader. So long story short, he's a 16-year-old in the class of 2025. He won't turn 17 until December. And Mike Yersich was pretty laser-focused in on this guy for a considerable stretch of quarterback work. we got to preface this by saying there were, what, 25, 30 quarterbacks at least on the field. Um, and, and for a five, six, seven-minute span, Mike Yersich was just straight up face-to-face with downs. And really, the ball wasn't flying out of his hands. It was about everything that happens before the ball exits your hand passing mechanics and you and I were just taking photos commenting Yersich isn't going to do that just because 
Yeah, exactly. I think that that was kind of a, a moment that really stood out uh, to a lot of people. And I think it was informative in a lot of ways because during the season, even during spring ball, we don't get to really get to see Mike Yersich work one-on-one with Sean Clifford, with Drew Aller, with Christian Veyu. Um, So I think that it kind of gave us a little focus uh, into, or a little insight into what Yersich is looking for when he's watching a quarterback go through. And obviously I'm not a quarterback guru or expert. So the the tech, (laughs) so the technical things of what exactly Yersich was looking at, but you know, like he said, it was all mechanical. What happens before the ball comes out, out of his hand. And I think that that was something that, I think stood out uh, over the course because a lot of the quarterbacks, they're just kind of the coaches are, are walking up and down. They're watching them. They're, you know, instructing them. It's, it's more, this is how you're supposed to be doing the drill that we're doing right now. It, mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that in depth. So that stood out. And then I think just kind of watching Ryan downs physically uh, stood out in terms of he's, he's a big kid. He moved pretty well. Uh, they were doing a lot of drills that involve throwing on the run, um, you know, rolling out some play fakes. Um, it was just kind of a, it was a really interesting, I guess, full kind of package look um, of what, of seeing this camper. And I thought that your story up on Lions 24-7 was really interesting. I didn't know that, that you did been I? at IMG for so long. Um, and so you think that, okay, like, obviously, like you said, there's a lot of competition. Uh, Jaden Bradford is a name to know on the national scene that he'll be competing with, but it could be the type of thing where when Ryan Downs is a junior or senior that he's going to be someone that a lot of people are going to have eyes on and he could end up with a national recruitment. Just, I mean, he's got some offers already. He got offered in 2020 by a few schools and, and he's, he carries offers from Indiana Brown. He's got a lot of Ivy league interest. He's got a four five GPA. There's, there's a lot to like about the, the makeup here. Kansas is another power five offer. I'm just wondering if he's like, you know, he's got three years ahead. So I, I'm not going to say this is the case, but it's kind of like John David booty. When you look back at that old Southern Cal team and they had all these NFL prospects getting churned out and he was just kind of waiting in the wings, waiting in the wings. And he ended up getting a shot in the NFL. I think he, you know, probably got a cup of coffee in the league. But it was like he was a top prospect who went to USC, stayed patient, and never got a shot. 2025 recruit here. But last year it was A.J. Duffy as a starter. He's now a Florida State freshman. The year before it was five-star J.J. McCarthy. He's now a Michigan sophomore. And now you've got Bradford in, in town who came down from South Carolina. And, and, oh, by the way, he's got a Penn State offer. So uh, a, a lot to go. I feel like I'm, I don't want to rehash the entire story, but that just went up right before I hopped on the podcast. So I wanted to mention Ryan Downs, who's going to be a name to know, maybe get back to campus uh, for a game this this fall. Um, curious to see how much action he sees uh, at the highest level of, of high school football because IMG is getting on planes to play, play football games. That doesn't happen a lot at the prep level. Daniel, let's look at this group that just got to campus, and it is a, a list that continued to expand late last week, and we're able to, to confirm uh, um, all these names with either themselves or with Penn State officials as the weekend progressed. And, and the big one, obviously, was Denied Dennis Sutton. We had him on the podcast last month, and he comes to town ready to work. He feels like he's primed to make an impact. Everyone around this program feels like that from a physical, mental makeup that Deny Dennis Sutton is what you're looking for. Uh, not one of those build them up kind of edge rushers. This is a guy that you think maybe plug and play. Manny Diaz seemed to be confident they were progressing, getting some of these uh, incoming freshmen ready. I know Deny was in consistent communication with this coaching staff and working on his arsenal of moves leading up to enrollment. And I'll tell you what, to add Chop Robinson and Deny Dennis Sutton, by the way, both from the state of Maryland, uh, t- uh, well, one from Florida or one from Delaware, but both from the high school uh, programs in Maryland. Terps won't love that. But to add them 
in a week span. That's some big ammo that you just added for Manny Diaz. Yeah, I think that it kind of answers a lot of questions about that edge rusher group because this spring, especially after Zariah Fisher's injury, there are a lot of questions. Where's that production going to come from? Obviously, you get Adisa Isaac back, which is a, a really big addition. But at the same time, he's, he hasn't played football in a year. He's coming off of a, a pretty serious injury. So who knows where exactly he'll be? Obviously, Penn State is, is confident um, in his return. But it's one of the things with uh, with guys coming off of injuries like that. You got to see it to kind of know um, where they are physically. But just in terms of getting Adisa Isaac back, Chop Robinson in the transfer portal, Deny Dennis Sutton on campus – suddenly this looks a lot different. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. Nick Tarburton was was solid last year, but he's not necessarily the a pass rusher. I think he didn't get his first sack of the year until the Outback Bowl, uh, the season finale. There's a lot of questions about Smith-Vilbert. All three of his sacks last year came in one half. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> in the Outback Bowl. And then Dave and Townley and Rodney McGraw are probably a year or two away still. Um, I mean, Vanover was someone who was working inside and outside at times last year. But I think knowing kind of what you have in Chop Robinson based off of him having a season of experience in the Big Ten under his belt and then denied on a Sutton coming in a five star. Um, I think that the expectations are that he'll he'll play right away. I mean, I don't think denied on a Sutton kind of like what you said. He's not really a build him up. He's not really a project. Um, obviously, a lot of this is potential based, but he's not pure potential. You can look at him and you can kind of see what you're going to be able to get right away. So having him on campus is big. I think that when you look at the the freshmen who are going to be in position to make the, the biggest impacts early, I think that Nick Singleton is, is number one based off of his position. And then deny Dennis Sutton, I think I would pencil him in as as number two, given his position, his talent, and his potential. Yeah, and because of what you just mentioned, the, the reinforcements that have come through with some guys that have played college football and guys who are returning to action uh, at that defensive end spot, you're not going to pile on a bunch of pressure for him to go play 50-plus snaps in September. But I feel like you can work him in situationally, get his feet underneath him. And by the time you get into the bulk of Big Ten work, this is the kind of guy that you recruit to beat some of those, uh, uh, you know, that those – Peers among you at the top of the Big Ten Conference that you're trying to elbow away and climb the ladder is the guy that can make those kind of splash plays over the course of a game. Um, you know, really excited to see what him and Chop Robinson can do as, as they get to work here. Obviously, McDonough has been good to Penn State. Didn't produce a, uh, a pledge from Mason Robinson recently in the 2023 class, but you're going to see now four players on this defensive side of the football with Devon Ely's, uh, P.J. Mustafer, Curtis Jacobs, and Denai Dennis Sutton. Another school that's been good to Penn State is Lackawanna College in Scranton. Uh, you've had an All-American safety come through and Jaquan Brisker at safety. And uh, more recently, uh, and following him, Jair Brown, who's still on campus as a senior leader, the takeaways uh, leader last year. And step on up. It's Tyrese Mills' turn to do that. And he made his move this past week. Uh, good to see him make that. And, and and this is one for me, looking at him and, and the way he plays and kind of physically the way he's been described, getting to kind of just eye him up a little bit on Saturday or Friday, I should say. Wonder if maybe as he progresses, we could see a Jonathan Sutherland kind of a transition. Maybe that Sam role comes into play. Uh, but this is an addition that I really do like for this class. And it's a heavy defensive back group overall that they're adding in 2022. And I think a little bit of it is because uh, he was he committed after his first game of junior college. Um, but I think he goes a bit under the radar, does Tyrese Mills. Yeah, I think Tyrese Mills was one of those guys whose commitment lasted 
so long that you kind of you forgot about him a little bit. He committed before that big July wave. He wasn't in that same group as Christian Driver, KJ Winston. I think Cam, Cam Miller, Miller was in there yeah. too. Um, so I think that, and given the fact that he he comes from Lackawanna and those junior college commitments, it doesn't necessarily have the same kind of panache, I guess, as, as a kid coming out of high school who's a, a four-star um, along those lines. But I think that Tyrese Mills is someone who can be able to, to play early. I think earlier this year, James Franklin mentioned that he really would have liked to have him on campus as an early enrollee. Um, it, you know, there are some you know, things to work through there with getting Mills to campus. But I think now that he's here, I'm really interested to see how Penn State uses him. Kind of like you mentioned, he has that size where he could potentially move down and play the Sam. Um, and I think that that kind of fits in with a lot of this defensive back group. There's a lot of flexibility there. Um, you saw that Christian Driver, who I think in the recruiting process, a lot of the talk was him playing safety. Um, he's listed as a cornerback on the roster. Um, KJ Winston, Makai Flowers kind of have that that flexibility too. So I think that Penn State has really brought in a lot of athletes, guys who are long, uh, guys who can move around. It's obviously yard work day uh, here at here in State College, as you can hear. Um, <clears throat> but I think that uh, Mills is someone who, when he gets here, they'll kind of figure out the best way to use him. Is he a can they use him more in that box role? Do they do some three safety sets with him maybe moving up a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage? I think that he's someone where when we see kind of the changes from Brent Pry to Manny Diaz, how they use someone like Mills, I think is indicative of, of what this new defense might look like. Ken Miller, Christian Driver, both got the campus in May, both listed as cornerbacks, Tyrese Mills on campus, and so are the two other guys you just mentioned there, Makai Flowers and then K.J. Winston. You wrote up about their arrivals uh, this weekend, and uh, I'll tell you what, you're, this safeties room, uh, assuming that's where they land and stick for year one, has just come so far so quickly in, in its health and its depth uh, from the starters down to, to its reserves Really hats off to the staff, but I got to really focus here, of course, on Anthony Poindexter, who, you know, there was predated some person, you know, some personnel acquisitions predated him. But what he's done in there, cultivating the success on the field and also bringing in some of this talent uh, to keep him on board and keep him uh, away from another job for another season, at least big win for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I think the the transformation of the safety room is is really, uh, I think, one of the more maybe under the radar storylines this offseason, I guess. When you entered spring ball, it was Jair Brown, who obviously is a is a big getting him back. I think Anthony Poindexter last week called it one of the, the biggest signings, quote unquote, of the offseason for Penn State. Then you had Keaton Ellis and Jalen Reed. And it really felt like that there were there were only three safeties there. But then Saki Wheatley has his breakout spring. And then Tyrese Mills comes. KJ Winston comes. Makai Flowers comes. Suddenly, there's a lot of competition there. I think James Franklin mentioned in passing that he'd like to go six deep uh, at safety, which is easier said than done. But you look at the talent that's there and, okay, you can kind of find six names that might be able to see the field, whether it's special teams, defense at, at some point this year. So I am really interested to see KJ Winston and Makai Flowers. Obviously, Makai Flowers from Harrisburg has been on the radar since before his freshman year at Steel High. He won a state championship playing both ways uh, in 2020, finished out his career playing up at CD East. 
uh, and was able to do a lot of just really good things on on both sides of the ball. And uh, when you talk about guys coming out of Harrisburg and kind of the the run of talent that that area has seen in recent years, I think that Makai Flowers is regarded as someone who is the next kind of big name uh, to be able to to do some things uh, from that area. So I'm curious to see what he can do. I talked to him in April at, at Big 33 practice here in State College, and he said that he sees himself as a hybrid safety. He can play center field or he can play in the box. Uh, he's obviously very confident in his abilities. Uh, KJ Winston is someone from DeMatha, so obviously you know that he's played some of the top competition He's coming out of a program that has developed plenty of great college players and pros. So you know that he's someone where he's going to come in and, and know kind of what he's getting into. But I'm really intrigued to see him. He's someone that I think kind of flew under the radar for a while. He, he got that late bump up to a force, fourth star, I think, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he comes in with some good accolades. I mean, uh, he was. I spent some time in the DMV for college, and then after college, and he was the the Washington Post All Met Defensive Player of the Year. That's not an honor that is won pretty easily. So I think that that says a lot about the the type of player that that he's coming in um, as, and and given his success of that program. So obviously, we don't know how the depth chart will shake out. If these guys will see them four times uh, in, in the first couple weeks of the season and then just not see them again uh, until next spring. But I think that that Penn state has put together a really interesting group of defensive backs that can help on special teams can get onto the field early last year. They burned two red shirts in the secondary. It'll be interesting to see if they do something similar this year. Um, but it, it's a really kind of intriguing group and I think has the potential to be a, a really fun group. The calling card for Zaki Wheatley, aside from producing takeaways in the spring, has been that length and those limbs and the ability to, to, to close passing lanes. K.J. Winston has some of that. We saw him in seven-on-seven seven work last year. Obviously, the, the film from his uh, season exhibits that as well. But this guy, because of those long arms, and just there's a lot of range involved there that the measurements, when you just look at the profile, aren't going to express. So something for people to be aware of. Elsewhere on the defensive side of the football, Keon Wiley has come on board at linebacker uh, following Abdul Carter. Uh, Carter and Wiley both discussed earlier this offseason by defensive coordinator Manny Diaz as in-the-box linebackers. Um, expect both to be tr- cross-trained over the course of, of this first year on campus and into next spring. Uh, I think you're going to see some some work at the mic and the will for Abdul Carter as this year progresses. Um, now, we heard specifically work at the will for Keon Wiley. Um, he's a guy that you know, the, 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 the ability to pack on weight here um, is going to be important. I want to see his development. I, I don't think he's going to come to campus or has come to campus uh, kind of uh, physically in the same spot where you think, okay, Abdul Carter looks like he may be ready to engage in big 10 trenches right now and, and get involved. Um, maybe Wiley proves me wrong. And he, and he's a guy who goes out there and, and earns some kind of a role. Uh, it's going to probably have to come through special teams first off and then work its way up on defense. But uh, this is a guy that I think, you know, is, is three star and, and, and his general ranking, don't pop out and a lot of people carry the LBU with a lot of pride and they want to bring in the five stars, but don't undersell uh, this highly productive prospect uh, prospect out of MOTEP in Philadelphia. Yeah. I think that Keon Wiley has, has a couple things going for him. Obviously, like you mentioned, he comes out of MOTEP in Philadelphia, which is a good program that that's put out some really top level defenders uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, Shaka Tony is a name that Penn state fans are obviously familiar with. And then, 
Uh, Keon Wiley played on the same defense this year as Anai White, uh, who ended up at, at Texas A&M. So he's been around plenty of high-level talent, and Imhotep's schedule is pretty tough, so he, he's gone against some some good competition. But I think that what stands out about Wiley is, is his approach uh, at the same Big 33 practice where I talked to Makai Flowers early th- earlier this year. I also talked to Keon Wiley and Devin Johnson, his coach at Imhotep Charter, and they they both kind of talked about uh, Wiley's confidence. Um, Wiley, obviously a little soft-spoken, but he, he's, he reads everything. He knows what people are saying. I think he put it out on, on Twitter this earlier this year that he read something that said that, oh yeah, he'll probably redshirt this year. And he said that that's not the, the mentality he's coming in with. He I just said play. that. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yep. He he wants to contribute. Um and, and he expects to contribute. But Devin Johnson said that that's the type of player that Wiley is. Um Penn State c- kind of brought up the zooms, uh keeping some of these defensive players, uh teaching them the playbook. And I talked to a couple of the commits who were at Big 33, and some of them downplayed it a little bit, but Keon Wiley was the one who was like, Yeah, I'm I want to be able to know what I'm doing when I get there. Uh, I want to do everything I can to be ready to contribute. Um, Devin Johnson said that Wiley would have enrolled early if Imhotep let its players do that. Um, but he's kind of ready to get to campus, ready to get to work. Um, I think that Manny Diaz put it as, you know, you're only 15 practices behind and you can make up 15 practices uh, this summer and into the into fall camp. So I think Wiley is someone who might surprise some people, Obviously, Penn State won't say that they they're surprised. And Terry Smith put it out there back in December on signing day that that Wiley might be the best player uh, in the best defensive player in the class or someone who can surprise some people. So I think he's someone to to really watch, especially given that Penn State depth that linebacker going into this year um, might leave might leave them a little susceptible to, to injuries or, you know, some something along those lines. Yeah, in terms of depth chart and scholarship presence, that's a pretty solid room to be entering as a freshman. Not really the case at wide receiver where there are six guys with freshman eligibility in 2022. There's two returning starters, and then there's a a guy who comes to campus after being one of the most productive college receivers in 2020 and 2021 at Mitchell Tinsley. But Anthony Ivey going to make that leap, and and he's on campus now, and he's the final of five additions at wide receiver. You want to talk about a room that looks a lot different than when we last saw it. Jahan Dotson is gone. Mitchell Tinsley is here, but then you had Omari Evans and Caden Saunders get to town in in January. Uh, Come May, you saw Tyler Johnson arrive. And now here's Anthony Ivey, a guy who was offered uh, early on as an underclassman, really impressed before his uh, sophomore year at a Penn State camp. I remember watching him and thinking the offer is inevitable. It was, and then the commitment seemed inevitable after that. Um, a really highly productive player at Manheim Township, someone who was uh, a personal target for Bo Perbula for a long time coming out of the same area and a top 24-7 wide receiver. Um, I think because of what they brought in ahead of him at wide receiver, a lot of folks have kind of written off Anthony Ivey as, as being a factor on the field this fall. And you got to mention Malik Mega, Harrison Wallace, Liam Clifford, some of the returners who are involved there, Jaden Dotton. Um, Ivey, though, is a guy that that I think because of the way he plays receiver, a very polished approach to to, to to that position for some time now. And, and I think uh, a little bit like Jahan Dotson, not saying that the career is going to play out the way it will, but there's just an innate natural 
that you just look at the guy and, and you think and, and you watch him operate at receiver and you just think that should translate pretty well. And Jahan didn't have the big 40 times coming out of high school and, and, and Anthony Ivy isn't going to go out and, and run a four, three, five. Um, but there's something uh, about his abilities that lead me to believe he could make an impact or at least kind of turn Taylor Stubblefield's head toward that direction earlier than people may anticipate. I, I think really for this entire freshman group at wide receiver, you'd love to see maybe a guy or two step up, but I think a lot of them you're kind of penciling in as, as really important pieces in 2023. Uh, but maybe Anthony Ivy is someone who can prove us wrong. And, and, and I think this has been a long journey for him to get to campus. And I know he's been licking his chops. So, uh, you know, among this group that got to campus this weekend, I think long-term uh, he has a little bit of star power to him that I don't think people had necessarily uh, wrapped their arms around because of all the big, fancy, shiny toys that kind of followed him into the class. Yeah, I think Stub I think uh, last year Taylor Stubblefield talked a lot about how he likes to see the the year by year progression out of players. He talked about it with Jahan Dotson, where you saw what Dotson did as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and it was just kind of a, a continual build. And uh, I think he talked a lot about it in the context of Keandre Lambert Smith last year, where he was taking clear steps forward. And I think Ivy's ability coming into school and, and his background and kind of the skills that he has, kind of like you said, the doesn't necessarily have the most eye-popping testing numbers, but there's an element of polish there. There's an element of kind of, I guess, playing a, a little bit more, I guess, mature that goes hand in hand with the polish that could put him in, in position to get onto the field early and kind of be able to start that progression of maybe given what's ahead of him, given how deep that room is, you won't see a ton of production as a freshman, but as time goes on, there's the opportunity to move into the depth chart and kind of take those steps forward. So I think that Anthony Ivy, like a lot of these wide receivers who are coming in, you're thinking more about 2023, 2024, but there is kind of, there is a pathway there for him to, to move forward and, and be able to, to carve out his role, get Taylor Stubblefield's attention. Obviously it's a really young room where Mitchell Tinsley is a fifth year senior, but then, everyone else is in their third year or younger. So there's going to be a lot of growing that that needs to happen there. Taylor Stubblefield is going to have the opportunity to do a lot of development. And I think maybe at this point next year, Ivy is someone that that we're talking about as, as carving out a, a really concrete role in that rotation. Yeah, we gave props to uh, Anthony Poindexter for his work at safety. How about the job that Stubblefield has done uh, through three years of Penn State has really just completely revitalized what that receiver's room is and the talent it's bringing in and what it's producing on the back end when it comes to Saturdays. Great work uh, by Stubbs. Hey, by the way, you had a nice piece on him being a Hall of Fame finalist. Uh, we got one more name to get to here. Caleb Artis, just quickly, defensive tackle coming in from Long Island, New York, St. Francis Prep. Uh, he committed along with Zane Durant last 4th of July during the fireworks. Um, and it was uh, a, a Really, pretty much quiet after that. Uh, when it came to this, was like you know, Caleb Artis committed, and then it was like, all right, get get into campus. Uh, now, not a ton. He was a guy who broke out early sophomore year, nineteen tackles for loss. Uh, you know, John Scott has has brought a bunch of players in to work with on the defensive interior. That's another area where Penn State has cultivated uh, improvements from a roster health standpoint. Um, and he should be a player that comes in and gets a chance to spend a year behind the scenes working with the developmental squad. And one of those guys who kind of say, let's check back in next spring to see where Artis is at. 
um, coming to campus. He's also somebody that during his recruitment was mentioned both sides of the ball, kind of lineman prospect during his recruitment process. So, you know, is defensive tackle the final destination for him? Um, we'll, we'll see how it grows for him. He's, he's a prospect coming in. It's a three-star um, and probably, I would say, one of the more relative unknowns uh, when you kind of gauge Nittany Lions fans and say, name name as many players as you can from this recruiting class. They could name the Singletons, the Allers, and, and the Deny Dennis Suttons. I think you'd have to work a while to get to Caleb Artis. And he's a bit of a mystery for me. I'm, I'm very curious to see what we're hearing about him come next April and May um, when there's kind of a more of a track record to go off with for John Scott and this staff. Uh, one other thing to note here is last week we got some great availability with the coaching staff. And Daniel, before we say goodbye, go ahead and sell some of the articles that you put out there and, and uh, get the people to read them. Yeah, there is a lot to really sift through from that. Uh, we had James Franklin on Chop Robinson. Uh, the timing worked out really nicely that Robinson's addition to the team was officially announced the night before. So we got to hear from John Scott, Terry Smith, James Franklin on Chop Robinson. Um, I think that we have a story about from James Franklin on Robinson up and we'll have more from from Terry Smith and John Scott as time goes on. Uh, obviously, I talked to Taylor Stubblefield about his Hall of Fame candidacy. Uh, he, You can tell it means a lot to him, and it, it's something that he he really wants. Uh, but he also pointed out that he's been on the ballot three times before, hasn't made it in yet. So he said that he hopes that the fourth time's the charm. And just to tease a little bit uh, from that conversation with Stubblefield, um, he talked I asked him about Omari Evans, and his comments on Evans were really interesting um, that he really likes uh, coaching him because he doesn't have to break any bad habits because uh, Evans was that high school quarterback um, in Texas with, with the four, three speed. So he's really getting to be hands-on and kind of constructs Evans from the ground up, whether or not we see what that looks like this year, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but I thought that was really interesting. Um, Anthony Poindexter obviously had interesting things to say about Zaki Wheatley and, how the competition is coming along uh, in his room. I have a story about what he's looking for uh, from whoever wins that job next to Jair Brown. And the big thing that he said is he wants someone who understands that the point of the position is to keep points off the board, that someone who looks behind them and knows that they're the last thing between the ball uh, and, and the end zone. And that's kind of what he's looking for first. And then everything else, uh, goes out from there so it was a good good time on the practice fields uh great to catch up with some of these uh, coaches also have a couple things with ty howell on the tight ends up so there will be more uh, coming out in, in the next couple days and, and weeks from that yeah i got a good conversation with jay one cider out there too i'll have something up there uh, i know mark ha has a story up on mike yurcich and kind of how he's uh, taking a big picture approach to quarterback recruiting all that and plenty more of course tyler calvaruzzo who you heard from already i'm sure he's already written three articles since he left the podcast uh with us here so he's been on a roll we appreciate everyone for for sticking with us here on the podcast and on the site uh, head over to lions 247com for continuous coverage as a huge recruiting weekend awaits here in happy valley thanks to daniel Thanks to Tyler. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. I'm Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.